This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up at PointsBet to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you on Sunday, May 8th. It is late in the evening after the Cubs were, I think, predictably, Brendan, swept by the LA Dodgers. A rainout for Friday afternoon's game gave us a doubleheader on Saturday, and then the finale on Sunday. Uh, not a good weekend for the Cubs. They score three total runs uh, on this particular weekend, and the Dodgers scored uh, a significant amount more than that, Brendan. So how are we doing? Oh, you sound like you're in a shipper mood over there with that tone. I, I, I can't even talk right now, Corey. Yeah. Like, what is going on here? 9 and 18. Terrible. Yeah. So, oh boy, is yeah. it not good. Um, and where to even start? Uh, I like, like I said, I mean, I think we all knew that this series was not going to go well. Um, the Dodgers, despite some of their stars not really hitting, uh, as you might expect yet, came into this series with a really good record. They've been getting really good pitching, and you knew you were at least getting uh, Kershaw and Bueller. So I, I don't think anyone was expecting any different. But as you said, Brendan, you know, now the Cubs sit at 9-18. and 18. They, you know, another sloppy weekend with some outs on the bases, some defensive miscues, just, you know, getting outclassed, obviously, by a much better team in the Dodgers really does just kind of drive home uh, what we're, you know, we have been seeing from this team uh, for quite a little bit now. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at Twitter and there's plenty of, you know, just negative information to go around. So, you know, we'll set the table with that. We'll uh, go through these three games (laughs) a little bit. And uh, then we, you know, there's there's some roster stuff going on. Obviously, I think you guys are are already aware of that, uh, especially with Frank Schwindel being option two AAA. So we will discuss that. Uh, We'll talk about Caleb Killian a little bit to give us uh, a little bit of hope and uh, everything else that that has gone on uh, with this team, you know, in the last few days since we last spoke to you. But, you know, really like the the easiest place to start, Brendan, is by, I think, Mm -hmm. highlighting just how bad this stretch has been. And um, there's a lot of ways to do that. Um, but I know our, our friend Cody just tweeted from the CHGO Cubs account. Cubs are now three and 14 in their last 17 games, uh, coming into the game on Saturday night. So after Drew Smiley pitched in the opener on Saturday afternoon, the first game of that Dodgers series, the Cubs had 16 starts this season so far where the starter went four and a third or less. That number is now 18, uh, as both of the following games were less than four and a third innings pitched. Um, so that is not good. And a trivia question for you, Brendan. Okay. Do you yeah. know the last time the Cubs offense scored more than three runs in a baseball game? More than three. More than three. Um I don't know, like the the pirate series, and we scored. Didn't we score more than three in the pirate series? They, Second they series, did. It's it is? it it's oh, it's close. It's the Braves on April twenty seventh, the second game oh, in that Braves series. The Cubs scored six runs in ten innings. Uh, following that, I'll run through this real quick just to highlight this: one run, one run, one run, two runs, one run, three runs, zero runs, two runs, one run. Is that a joke? I, I wish I were kidding. 
Is that Brandon, real? That is real. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a real stat. Yes. That's terrible. Uh, it's, look, I mean, we talked about, you and I talked about <laughs> this terrible. last episode, Brendan. Like, it's a weird spot yeah. because we all had measured expectations. We kind of knew what this year about was about. But this is one of those spots where you watch them get just totally outclassed by a franchise that is doing things better than them, Right in the LA Dodgers and it is one of those points where like we all kind of know the deal and sometimes front offices and whatever they they give you some BS or this and that but this was like one of those series where it really does kind of get hammered home like the the stuff we were sold about this season like you do have to kind of retcon a little bit of that right like it's only early May but like they told us they wanted to field a competitive team, right? So thus far, what we're looking at, either that was a blatant lie, which it could have been, or Jed, you know, might need to be evaluated on what he thinks a competitive roster looks like because this is a mess, Brendan. We, we knew it was going to be likely bad, right? So even the comments made by the Ricketts or Jed, you see the roster and you see the projections, and you see the uncertainty with that, both the positive and negative side. The, the likely outcome was that the sum of this team was just not going to click. But it, it's doing, it's not clicking at such an extreme rate. I mean, I'm going to read off these numbers here, Corey, uh, by some of these batters. Uh, Jason Hayward's Woba, 284. Ortega, 270. VR, 268. Schwindel in Iowa, 252. Madrigal, 247. Jan Gomes, 247. And then I, I didn't even see him on the list here. Hermosillo's all the way down at the bottom, 204. And can Corey? you, just, I just mean, for this clarity, is, can you remind people what like a good WOBA is in case people don't know? Right now, the league average is 304. Okay. So in years past, it's been around 310, 315-ish. The balls have changed. It peaked, I believe, in 2018 when the ball was juiced. So this is really off the mark. And Schwindel's projections by Steamer, by Zips, they were slightly below league average, some even above league average. Zips was very favorable to Frank Schwindel. But when you see a Woba by Michael Hermosillo of 204, and then you have seven other guys near him, sub 300, sub 290 this is absurd so it was like we knew it was going to be bad but i did not brace myself for how bad this has been this this is a little surprising Corey, to get this many players performing this badly all at once yeah, and you know, to the the starting pitching thing. I mean, obviously you had some injuries there. So I think in terms of roster building and whatever, like you you and I both talked a lot. Um and I think Cody and, and Luke and Ryan did too about how they 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 should have added a little more to the rotation. That would have been nice. You know, there was guys out there. Um but, you know, I guess a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Like you're getting a lot of short outings that has an effect on both the starters and the bullpen. You know, you've got some guys out. Wade Miley coming back should help that, et cetera, et cetera. Justin Steele would have probably gone longer today, left with a blister, and he was only starting because Marcus Stroman— What do you mean, hold on. What do you mean benefit of the doubt, though? Like in terms of injuries? Is well, that I'm saying, mean, I'm saying like that, that statistic of having 18 starts now that are four and a third uh, less, like yeah. they, they did technically have a plan that I think would have 
performed better than that, right? But you had Alzali yeah. out, you had Miley out, even tonight. Like Stroman misses the game uh, because he's on the IL, um, you know, with without the designation. So Steele has to come in, even though he was scheduled. So I'm not I'm not defending their rotation per se, but I'm saying like at least in that you had like some plans to mitigate some of those issues but this is just not good Brendan and like you're already starting to you know the weather's been bad in Chicago but like you look at these attendance numbers like they're already starting to dwindle a bit and like you had two games in this Dodger series with uh, under 32,000 you know reported on on the ledger at Wrigley Field which holds about 41,000 and that was with a lot of Dodger fans right who took this as an opportunity to come see beautiful historic Wrigley Field and, you know, it, it does sort of, you know, you start to wonder, like, gee, I wonder what, a, like, a Pirates game is going to look at. Because, like, I, I, the sentiment I'm getting, Brendan, like, a lot of people are pretty sick of this already. I don't know if you're picking up the same thing. But just on social media, like, oh, I couldn't tell. a lot of people <laughs> that are normally super dialed into this team for 162 games, as you and I have kind of predicted over the past, like, year or so, like, they're you know, if the investment isn't there from the team, they're cutting off their own. It just sort of feels that way. Well, it, it's it's natural, right? You're, you're going to have fans, many of whom probably listen to this podcast, that will consume Cubs content no, no matter what's going on. Now they do this for two, three years. Maybe those fans do go away. But it is those fringe fans who make up probably – the majority of of fans honestly when you when you're talking about thousands of fans like that who are not coming to the stadium you know they're not getting the tv numbers as well you're losing bulk revenue and i don't know like i'm looking at these numbers right now and i just can't help but think like a few moves in the off season and hindsight's always 2020 right but the starting pitching war for the cubs right now is 0.1 Corey. Carlos Rodon for the Giants is getting paid $22 million this year. He has a 1.3 war, and it's a two-year contract. So I, listen, like I, I, I know you want to give some of these younger guys a chance. You want to see a steal develops. Alzali's injury was not to be expected, and you did sign or acquire Wade Miley for $10 million, so you do have some intent to bolster the rotation, but... I don't know, man. It's like you you see some of these moves that could have been made, right. and it's like, oh, like what are we kind of doing here? I know Stephen Matz got four years, forty million, and so the four year timeline maybe would have been too much, but it it just and it kind of annoys me. It makes me cringe when we see just how bad it's turning out, and the alternative, and who knows if they were in it, the alternative is putting up in the first seven weeks of the season you know, historically best numbers that are orders of magnitude more valuable than any pitcher on your team right now, Corey. Yeah, I mean, I think we knew this was a possibility. And like, ultimately, you know, the front office and the ownership, they're getting what they paid for. You know, this outcome so far is not something that was out of the realm of possibility for this group. And so they're, you know, there, I think, were other possibilities. Obviously, you read off some of those offensive numbers that are, you know, like horrifically bad. Um, you know, some of that stuff is different. Like, yeah, maybe the results are a little different, but like this team probably isn't that much better. Right. No. Um, so no. the, yeah, the, 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 
the organization itself is getting what they're paying for. They put out a roster where this was totally possible, and they're getting it. They're seeing it. I, I, yeah, it's it's really bad, and it's, you know, it's it's a particularly like bad brand of baseball at times. One of the things that continues to disappoint me, and like, I don't I don't know if you put this on Ross or what, but like their their sloppiness is really unacceptable, Brendan. I mean, the amount of times this team gets picked off or thrown out on the bases, I mean, just doing like silly stuff is unacceptable, frankly. Like you can you can't. Yeah. As a team, you know, and when you, when Ross is given a roster, like, he can't really control if this team is a, you know, 110-win team or not. Like, he didn't build the roster. But what the team has to be able to control is, like, doing the little things right. Like, fundamental— I mean, limiting the mistakes. Things you're taught, like, you're—I mean, these guys have been—you know, David Ross can't teach these guys to run the bases. They've been playing baseball for, some of them, 20 years, 30 years. But, like— this is not a an isolated thing like we keep seeing no. this where they are just doing stuff that is amateurish and and that's that so like not a lot of what has gone on this season gets me like angry because we knew this was a possibility right I get pissed off watching this team like I went to the game uh, the first game on Saturday with our, our CHGO colleague Cody and we were talking about that like how silly we feel kind of like trying to get hyped up even though we kind of know like well, this probably isn't going to go that well. And the Dodgers are up by like six runs, but we're still like trying to find those little silver linings. But there, there's not many. No, and but and so like I don't necessarily get mad about. I that, thought there I would. I thought there lose. would be more. And I hate watch. But what does get me mad is these this, this sloppiness. It's like like what is this? Like figure out how to run the bases, guys. If you're going to be one of the worst teams in the league, can you not be so embarrassing while you're doing it? Like, jeez. <laughs> So their base running score by Fangraphs is ranked 25th in baseball. That's unacceptable, man. It's unacceptable because you have players on this team who rank in the top 75% of sprint speed. So across a diamond. So it's not as if, oh, they just can't go first or third because their athleticism is bad. They, 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 they are making dumb mistakes. Yeah. And it's not just one particular player. It's, the, it's several players on this team. So to your point... Is it Ross? Ross is the manager of this baseball it, team. It falls on him ultimately. It yeah. is. He is a manager of this baseball team. So do we know the specifics of why this is happening? Maybe this is random and it won't continue. Maybe that's the case. But in the early going here, I don't want to see I don't want to see players not knowing where the baseball is and running the bases. Right. I can't I that can't happen. I so yeah, it's that to me, I don't care about that, to be quite honest with you, because that's it, it, it's going to make a marginal difference at this point. Like I see why you get frustrated, but for me, your your point about the silver linings, like oh, like like are there any, any silver linings? And I said it last podcast, but my silver linings were seeing Frank do well. Frank's in Iowa now. I mean, it's been an incredibly. You mean you wanted that to be the silver lining? Yeah, yeah. I wanted something. <laughs> you no, know, I wanted I wanted trends. Yeah. To follow, and I feel as if the only trends we have to follow at this point are who from the bullpen will get traded, mm-hmm. and seeing how Nico continues to develop, which has been great, and then maybe Rivas and you know Stroman's been great, but even from the starting pitching side, I'm having a problem getting excited about watching these starters, yeah. Corey. So I don't Not have great. many silver linings at the current at the current moment. 
Yeah, and you know, again, like it's it's sort of similar to last year. Like you know, obviously it's it's only May eighth. There's a lot of season left, and I I swear I don't mean that as a threat to all of you <laughs> who oh, sure who watch like this it. team. There is a lot of season left. But, you know, it does sort of feel like, uh, obviously, it, it was later last year, but, you know, when they started that 11-game slide, you, you sort of started to be like, okay, I, I know what's happening at the trade deadline now. And it's like, it's only May 8th, but, like, they're falling out of things very quickly. And, like, you sort of, yeah, Brendan, like, you're kind of shifting to, like, okay, like, yeah. let's figure out who's a good asset because, like, what else are we going to do It's the second here? week of May. Corey, we have 40 more episodes of Bless this season. to anybody who listens to these. We appreciate <laughs> it. 40 more episodes um, Let's, let's talk about Frank, though, because you brought him up. Uh, he was optioned oh, to AAA. So let's talk about yeah. this. Um, All right. We had obviously highlighted his... Uh, kind of gaudily bad numbers. Um, so this, in, in that sense, wasn't a surprise. But the fact that I, I think they made this move maybe was a surprise. But I'll, I'll ask you that in a second. I do just want to read part of what uh, David Ross said to the media. And uh, we had with CHGO Cubs this weekend, Jared Willis was there uh, subbing in for our guy Ryan Herrera. So that is where I am getting this quote. Uh, and so this was David Ross uh, on Frank, somebody that we believe in but need him to get going a little bit. Get down there, work on some things, take a little bit of the pressure off and let him continue to get back to what we expect him to be and what he expects himself to be. This is a league you've got to produce and he's working on some things. Just going to take a little bit of the bright lights off and let him work through some things. Hopefully it's not very long. He gets back and finds his rhythm and is able to come back and help us out real soon. I think it's about setting him up to be the best version of himself. He he goes on to uh, say, you know, that he didn't seem like he was seeing the ball that well, um, wasn't taking walks, even though he doesn't take a lot of walks, but wasn't uh, doing that, you know, said he was kind of like searching for, for hits and things like that. Anyway, that's what Ross had to say. Again, like you look at the numbers and in that sense, it's not surprising, but were you surprised at all that they pulled this trigger this quickly, Brendan? Um, no, we had talked, wasn't. you and I, I think on the last episode or two episodes ago about that tweet from Brett Taylor from Bleacher Nation, where he kind of talked about like how you, you can't have like an infinite timeline for some of these guys to get opportunities. Yeah. And we kind of uh, interpreted that to maybe be about Frank. Um, so are you, were you surprised to see this or where did you fall on this? No, I, I wasn't. When you see the name Frank Schwindel in Iowa in option and initially is like, wow, they, they actually did it. But after the first 30 seconds, seeing that tweet, I'm, I'm not surprised. The numbers are extremely bad. And I was thinking about this all of last week about the disappointment and it's disappointing because it's not as if he's failing due to not adjusting. He's failing due to regressing, like not in the statistical sense. He's not hitting fastballs. He's not hitting breaking pitches. He's not hitting off-speed pitches. He's not hitting anything. He looks like a completely different player. And the numbers just you know back it up to... Uh, uh, an extreme. I, I mean, I think that's the key word of this podcast here is a lot of the numbers we're seeing here are just so extreme. But for example, last year, Frank produced so much run value against four seams. And it's crazy. So our good friend, Brian Smith um, at Cup 
prospects from Bleacher Nation. He tweeted this earlier in the evening, uh, actually a couple of days ago, and then updated this earlier in the evening saying that Frank's weighted on base average against four seams last year was 472. We all knew that. This year's 193, Corey. I mean, like, wow, that is an incredible drop-off. And then going deeper, Frank did well against fastballs ahead of the count, which most hitters do. Did so with a 555 Woba last year. This season, ahead of the count fastballs, 285. So even when he's able to work a favorable count, he's not hitting the pitches that he normally crushes. And he normally crushed these pitches all throughout his minor league development. And scouts wrote about it. Current baseball writers highlighted it exhaustively. He's a fastball hitter. Most scouts, most people assumed if Frank were to not make it, it would be due to secondary pitches, due to breaking pitches. He's not making it this year because he can't hit fastballs all of a sudden. So what does that mean? Is that because the league is adjusting to Frank? Maybe. But I think in my mind, Frank is just not seeing it for some reason. I don't know if he's out of rhythm. I don't know if he never, actually, I I do know he never got into a rhythm since that short spring training, the, the minor injury he faced. He just never got a rhythm. And so maybe him going down the AAA, you get consistent at bats. He's able to regain some of that momentum, some of that feel. And he comes back up and he does have success. But regardless, even even if that were to happen, the sample would have to be so large for me because right now you can't ignore this type of extreme. These are the types of extremes that sometimes makes me distrust Ian Happ's hot stretch because we know for times for elongated sample sizes, Happ was not good. And we're seeing something similar with Frank. And Frank is 30 years old. So now you have to add that on top of this poor stretch. So will I have trust in Frank going into 2023? We'll see how the season turns out. But it has to be such an extreme, I think, to change the thinking process of whether to acquire and bolster for space for the next team given what we've seen so far. This this is really bad, Corey. This is not just Frank not living up to that 2021 run. This is Frank not living up to replacement level. This is absurd. Yeah, well, uh, I got to tell you, like for as, as much fun as Frank was in the second half last year, if he's even in the discussion come next year, we got a big problem, Brendan. I'm being, he might be, man. I'm, he might that's, be. Yeah, that's a bad premise to start. Um. But I think this was kind of like a confluence of just bad factors for Frank, right? Like Alfonso Rivas came up and we've gone through a lot of the reasons that we really want to see him get a, you know, a real shot, like see what you have there. Um, So we don't need to go through all of them, but like, you know, quick summary, right? Like he's really good on defense. He's 25. He's hit at every level and has not gotten uh, a shot really at, at the major league level. He played a little bit for the Cubs, uh, you know, a year ago, but like other than that, this is his first real go. And in order to give him a real shot, right, he's obviously the one you want playing first base. Doesn't make sense to DH the, the better first baseman. And Frank's numbers, you know, you got a guy with an OPS in the 500s, right? He's not alone in that regard. But when you've got a guy who's, you know, four years younger, 
um, that you really want to get a look at, who's a better defender, it, it, it's a tough spot. And you, you could have tried to get Frank going in the DH spot if you really wanted to, but you have other uses for that. And we've talked about that. You know, you would be yeah. taking away from your ability to give Wilson, you know, days off on his legs or deal with the outfielders or, you know, just different things that I think are more valuable than, uh, you know, letting 29-year-old or 30-year-old Frank Schwindel figure out his hitting process, right? Like at some point, as we've talked about, you have to decide on like which guys you're really investing in and where the time is best spent figuring out what you have in these guys. And, you know, unfortunately for Frank, like just being honest, right? Like as much fun as he was, and we've given him a ton of credit for giving us anything to enjoy in the second half last year. um, It's, you know, that's just not the best use of time, right? Like, even if he gets going and and shows you something that's that's not you know certainly not quite like what he did in the second half last year like what kind of long-term plan do you have there how long would you even be able to think like okay he could do this or uh you know be a, a league average hitter or whatever like you know it's just the problem with with age curves and stuff like that like that's just the way it is um so a month is is it's a short time but he's struggled really badly and it gets to a point where you have to say, like, look, we got to give somebody else a look, and we'll give you a chance to figure this out, but we can't, we can't do it here, right? And and to their credit, they did give Frank the opportunity, right? He came in as the starting first baseman on this team. He's on the posters outside the stadium. He was hitting in the middle of the order, you know, pretty much until he got sent down on Sunday. Like they gave him a shot. It was a short, a short runway here in 2022, at least. But I, I, I don't think you'd be able to say they didn't give him a, a shot to take that job. And, you know, at least for now, they're making what I believe is the correct decision and saying, we're going to see if Alfonso Rivas can do this better and and show us something that, you know, may be more valuable long-term. Yeah. No, I mean, I give him credit for doing it. So, I mean, I guess relatively quickly, Rivas was in Iowa, what was it, 10 days ago. So it's not as if, you know, he's been getting chances at, at all. So to have Frank, of course, in Iowa now is Rivas's job, and he may get chances against uh, left-handed pitchers. And we also might see David Bodie taking grounders recently. He may come back. We might see him more in the lineup, which means Wisdom goes to first base, Bodie goes to third base. And <laughs> I know you love to see it, but Bodie may get opportunities here, Corey. Um, and at this point, like, what else do you have to, to lose. I guess try to give as many hitters opportunities as you can. And 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 David Bodie is under contract. He did sign the $15 million deal a few a few years ago. So I guess this is kind of where we are. We may see a little bit more David Bodie and we may see Patrick at first base a little bit more often. And maybe we even see Ian Happ at first base every now and then. And they decide to shuffle around the outfield. Nelson Velasquez got promoted from double-A to triple-A. Nelson Velasquez, you might remember, was the Arizona Fall League MVP. Uh, So we may see some unusual roster renditions by Ross. And as I'm talking out loud here, I don't mind seeing Ian Happ at first base. I I think the defense for Ian in left field has been so much improved this year, but the way I look at it, maybe Ian Happ could actually be a, a suitable first baseman, get opportunities with Rivas, and allow you to get more flexibility in the outfield. Maybe that is a, a good thing for this team after all. 
Yeah, I mean, at this point, like, whatever they want to do, I it just, you know, the season just needs to be productive at this point, as we've talked about. I mean, yeah. you know, you know me, like, my interest level and, in, you know, seeing what David Bodie has is pretty minimal. He's also 29 years old. He has one season where he was an above-average hitter, two seasons where he was slightly below, and 2021, before he got hurt, he was awful, um, wildly sub-replacement level. So I, you know, no offense, I don't care about that, like, whatsoever. Um, I think like Corey is expected to open was three twenty. Oh, great! I know you're kidding, but I, yeah. Um, right. I think you know you you mentioned some of these guys. You know, I think the the one thing that's becoming clear is like if you have guys, you know, whether it's Nelson Velasquez or some of these other guys, if you want to give them a shot, if they if you feel like they're progressing enough and you want to shoot them up to the majors to get a shot. A lot of these positions are not being Brennan blocked. Davis. You know what I mean? Like, right. just do it. You know, like, we just don't. There's so many guys so far we just don't really need to see. You know, and I think ultimately to wrap up where we started this discussion, like, I think that's kind of what happened with Frank. Like, you'd love to for him to go down to AAA and, and figure things out and, um, you know, again, see if he can be even a, you know, a depth piece, a bench piece, kind of like we talked about with Patrick Wisdom, you know, on teams going forward, even if he's on the older side. But you just can't commit too much to guys, um, you know, of a certain age who, you know, all likelihood probably weren't going to put it all together anyway. At some point, you have to see what other guys have. And, you know, again, like this season needs to be productive in some ways. And you can't, you're not going to be able to get there if you're, you know, only giving a look to a certain subset of players. You have to be willing to expand that if they're not performing. Yeah, that's that's where we are. Um, I guess my final thoughts on on the positional side of things is it's disappointing. I can list off Frank's numbers and why they're disappointing, but it's it's the same application for Michael Hermosillo and Nick Madrigal has gone off to a bad start as well. And it's not to dog on these guys because I hate seeing them do bad and there, it seems as if the team does like them to get along with the with the team they got good personalities it sucks seeing like nick magical you know joke around with Seiya, and magical has a 245 right. robot you want to see these guys succeed and their frustration is much higher than your frustration and my frustration so it's you know, we're all in the same uh, boat here. Uh, of course, they have way more writing on it than we do, who, who we just podcast. But it's it just sucks. You're nine and eighteen. It's, it's May 9th on Monday, and we're already talking about who's going to get chances right. for 2023. This is not where I expected us to be. Not this I, soon. I, I yeah. no, I did not expect a, a playoff chance. But in my mind, in the back of my head, I did leave that as a possibility because you have you have to in baseball. If you think I'm crazy or whatever, I am crazy. You're right. But you do have to expect that there is a degree of uncertainty. And with the playoffs, 80 wins, 82 wins was one standard deviation away from their projected win total. So that that's going to bug me. And I'm going to think about that. And I'm going to think about, you know, the Carlos Rodon miss i i said this offline to you Corey, but i it's just gonna bug me and so here yeah, we are I don't, I, well we have I it shouldn't i mean he's this team is still not good with him i under i yeah. understand but it's it's just a, it's it's the negligence yeah that it feels sure. as if it, what happened right it's just well, emblematic that's, of that's what that. i said at the beginning like either yeah. 
Jed was lying about believing this team was competitive or he, you know, we should maybe begin to question his his ability to evaluate a roster, I guess. Um, but it's also a tough spot for David Ross. You know, you look at these moves and like, a, you know, in especially like the Frank context on Sunday, like it's it's tough for him. Like on Sunday, you look at this lineup, Frank was in the sub 550s in terms of his OPS. Ortega had a hit um, and a walk on Sunday that bumped him up to 613. And then you've got three guys at the bottom of the lineup that are all six, sub-600 OPS guys, VR, Hayward, and Madrigal. That's not easy for David Ross. No. You know? For as much as we, no. like, you know, the, the, the organization maybe is, like, whatever, if this year is a lost year. Like, David Ross is still out there trying to win games. These players are out there trying to win games. It's, it's not easy for him. Like, you want to see what you have in these guys. You want some of these guys to figure this stuff out. But it's not easy to pencil in half a lineup that is, like, wildly below league average. Like, that's a tough task for him. So I think you're going to continue to see a lot of, like, shuffling around, maybe guys going down to get their head right, whatever it is. Like, because you, you look at some of these numbers, you just don't have a choice. Quick break here from our sponsor, Points Bets. The best way to support CHGO is to download the Points Bet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you make a $50 or more first time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we'll help you out. Remember that PointsBet is your home for live in-game betting. They even have a new exclusive feature, live NBA, same game, parlay. For the first time ever, build the perfect live same game parlay only with PointsBet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. You can even boost your live same game parlays. And now online signup is available in Illinois. You can actually download the points bit up right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone signing up with the fastest sports book is now easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds again use code chgo to get two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars so what are you waiting for once the game starts don't just bet live your bet life with points bet gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 and we always thank you for continuing to support everything going on at CHGO podcasts and live shows on every team, every day, post game shows and premium written content for all members when you sign up to become a member at allchgo.com. You get a free shirt and access to the members only Discord when you sign up again at allchgo.com. Like I said, this weekend we had our guy Jared Willis filling in for our other guy, Ryan Herrera. So sign up to get access to all of their hard work and quality content. So, Brendan, well, at least things will get easy. Uh, you know, going out on a West Coast road trip oh, to face yeah. San Diego and that. Arizona usually goes really well. So That's exactly what we need right now, of course. Should turn things around real quick. Yeah. 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 Um, so what if they win six in a row out there, though? Huh? <laughs> what if they actually go out there and sweep those series? I can't, uh, I uh, get our friends at PointsBet on the phone and see how much I can charge you for that. Because let's do that right now. One hundred thousand is the opening line for that. Yeah, um, I, I'm not betting on that. Um, and you know, going back to those like run total numbers, I was reading at the beginning of the show, they're probably going to need to score more than three runs at some point um, yeah, over like a two week so. span. So yeah, I think yeah so. that'll be fun. Because uh, nothing beats like watching a team that's like really pissing you off and frustrating. Um, 
than watching that team that you know here that starts at 840 central time no i love that yeah well that's, we know you ex- do that's exactly what yeah. i want to be miserable You're, that, that's like, that's a perfect time for me right let's just yeah get the wallowing of of misery yeah. into the the later evening it's it. great that's the best yeah oh god okay um moving <laughs> on Let's uh, let's take a look. Any any thoughts on what you saw from the pitching staff on this particular weekend? Obviously, we know that depth, uh, excuse me, length, still continues to be an issue. I read that stat: eighteen starts so far, four and a third le- or, or less. Um, you had Daniel Norris filling in um, in a spot start in that game on Saturday night with the rain out and and things getting moved around. You had Justin Steele filling in on Sunday, you know, earlier than he was supposed to because Marcus Stroman is out. Uh, and then, of course, he leaves with, uh, I think it was soreness in his thumb, not a blister. Um, but, you know, still like a minor thing. You know, he just couldn't yeah. continue through the game. But any anything that you saw uh, out of this weekend that, that you know, is, is worth taking a look at? Yeah, I think Keegan Thompson, I know he gave up that one run, but he did have four strikeouts. He threw 54 pitches. He had eight whiffs and 21 swings. So that was good to see. Uh, threw four seams, cutters, curveballs. He did show two change-ups and two sinkers, so take note of that. He's been almost exclusively just a four-seam cutter guy, so the fact that he's mixing in, and, and curveball, so the fact that he's mixing in, just showing it, change-ups and sinkers, my signal, hey, maybe he's going to get a chance to go through the order multiple times, maybe out of a starting chance. So keep tabs on that. Uh, also, Rowan Wick's velocity also looked decent, um, sitting over 94 miles per hour, maxing out almost 96. Knuckle curve looks good. Also good to see uh, David Robertson still looking somewhat sharp, showcasing that cutter, slider, knuckle curve, not throwing any four seams. So he's a guy that come June, maybe he's on the trade market, Cubs can get back some value for him. And then in terms of Justin Steele's star, unfortunately, he had some misfortune uh, with errors and some missed strikes. And so that led to a a 30-plus pitch inning before he had to leave due to thumb soreness. But I will say from, from from all of Justin's starts this year, I thought this was obviously the best start. Um... Now, the results are not going to match that, what you saw, for example, against Milwaukee in his first start in the opening week. But if you look at what he threw and what we've talked about for you know a few weeks now with Justin Steele, he did try new things. And I liked that, and I thought he had success as a result. So what he did differently tonight was use more pitches. So he used the sinker in 26% of his total pitches. He used the sinker in his previous starts at only a 4% rate. So this is a huge increase, a six times greater increase in sinker usage. And then his slider command was absolutely the best of the entire season. If you look at his zone profile where the sliders were, he was just pinpointing them down and in to right-handed batters, exactly what you want to see. The four-seam, it looked as if he was locating that pitch lower in the zone, and it looked as if Wilson was setting up there. So I found that to be interesting, considering he's been using the four-seam up in the zone. So could be a scouting report issue with the Dodgers. Maybe it's something that they want to get Justin doing, throwing fastballs lower in the zone. 
But when you combine the sinker slider for seam usage with the fact that he actually threw changeups and curveballs tonight, he threw four changeups and two curveballs. He threw five total pitches. And so that is good to see. That's what you want Justin to do. You want him to use multiple pitches, able to spread out the potential error. And able, if he can go through the order one or two times, use those different pitch types to get through the order the third time. That's what starters do. And if he can't do that going forward, the likelihood is he's not a starting pitcher. The likelihood is he's a swing guy. So again, unfortunately, the thumb soreness took him out. He was probably tired anyway. He didn't have good luck behind him, but I think overall that was his best start of the season. And hopefully the thumb soreness is not that bad because I do want to see where this continues to go. Yeah, I mean, he started the game really nicely. I mean, always when you're facing a lineup like LA's, it's worth noting. You know, he retired the first six hitters that he faced, started the game by striking out Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. Uh, So, you know, it's a small victory, I suppose, but that's where we're at. And, uh, you know, hey, trying to evaluate guys and see what they can do and we we've talked a lot about like there there's no uh there's no shame in in you know landing in that swingman spot if that's ultimately what happens for steel it's a very valuable position no, i don't i don't mean to say that in a negative no sense. i know no no no, no. Yeah. i'm i'm yeah. i'm i'm just continuing that like and i think you know that's that's part of it like you know setting setting this dodger order uh down you know in order for the first six hitters striking out two of the best hitters in the league like you know, that's something, right? Like, that's something to to keep an eye on. And obviously, the start was cut short on Sunday. But, you know, uh, we're, we're taking it day by day, I think, at this point. So that yeah. was uh, the, the silver lining there. But yeah, I mean, look, like this team desperately needs uh, Kyle Hendricks to straighten things out. Uh, Stroman, hopefully, you know, because they didn't provide the designation, um, he can be activated again at any time. So hopefully this is just, uh, you know, not a, not a particularly long thing and he's able to get back out there. Um, hopefully Wade Miley is able to get in here at some point. He's continuing to, you know, throw and, and work up his pitch count, but you just need length, man. Uh, you know, one of the key things that we've obviously talked about a lot is like, you've gotten some really nice performances out of some of these guys in the bullpen, but it, re- it really diminishes your ability to utilize that when you have to cover, so many innings. It, it, it takes away uh, something that has been one of their, I think, better weapons uh, on this team. You know, I think in all the facets of the game, I think their bullpen has been the best. And it's, you know, you really kind of diminish the value of that and the potential for Ross and, and Hadavi to utilize that. Because, you know, even in just those games that I was listing, you know, 18 games, four and a third or less, and some of those were shorter than that. Like that's a lot of innings for the bullpen to cover. So Keegan Thompson can be great, um, but when you have to use him more often than you'd probably like, you have to, you know, on Sunday, they're asking Michael Rucker to go out there and throw three innings. Um, You know, Daniel Norris pitching on back-to-back days, even though, you know, he's struggled, like that's the spot it puts you in when you're not getting length. And this isn't the first time we've had this conversation about, you know, the, the starters on this team getting length. I think we did last year too. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a big problem, uh, around the same time too. Right. And, you know, again, like this is part of the way that the game is going, you know, with some of these starters only facing a lineup two times or three times, or, you know, being really protective of how many times you're letting guys go through the order and utilizing more openers and bullpen guys. But that's, 
you know, not specifically the way that this team was constructed. We're seeing that some of these guys, you know, Keegan Thompson and, and maybe Justin Seal, I guess, kind of positioning themselves as as future guys who might be really good at that. But that's, you know, the Rays deliberately set up their roster that way. So they're prepared for this. The Cubs, that wasn't really the yeah. plan, right? Like the plan was for Kyle Hendricks and Marcus Stroman and Wade Miley at the very least to be going out there and, you know, probably giving you quality starts more often than not. And it has been a far cry from that. Yeah. Corey, for you, for, for me, the most surprising aspect of the season so far has been that starting pitching, right? So for you, is it more so disappointment from the, the hitting side or the starting pitching side? Is it equally like, which aspect are you more surprised about? For Cause for me, I, I knew the starting pitching had a possibility of not being great. I did not expect them to be this feeble, to not go more than four or five innings and to succumb to injuries this early on. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I mean, you know, ultimately, I think with this offense, it, it's one of those things where, you know, and all all the individual performances are different. They're ebbing and flowing. I mean, Ian Happ was, was having a really good start to the season. You know, his OPS has dropped to 772. He's in a rough stretch here. So like a lot of that is, is really ebbing and flowing. Um, but I think it would be disingenuous to suggest that I didn't think that was possible, right? Like, you know, we're talking about Frank Schwindel. Like I didn't think there was some guarantee like he was going to be good it was I think clear that the more likely scenario was a guy who had not figured it out at the MLB level until he was getting a chance at 29 even though he hadn't had many chances probably wasn't going to figure it out you know and all of a sudden be this you know great uh, folk hero player for the you know the next 10 years right and you look up so it's not it's not surprising that Frank has a 250 Woba I mean, for me, that's surprising. Like, I, I think I, it's, I, I think it's a stark. I think the particular drop off is surprising because he had been good, you know, in the minors and mm-hmm. obviously in the second half last year. But I'm just saying, like, the the starting staff being this, as you said, feeble, is more surprising to me than the offense because I I just think it would be disingenuous to suggest that like you or I thought it wasn't possible this offense wasn't going to be good like sure it was Mm -hmm. you know look at who's part of it like it's there's we knew coming into the season that there was very little like sure things on this offense that you could totally count on in terms of what their performance would be it was always possible that it was was not going to work and it was going to be bad yeah. right it it just was it was a contact heavy group that didn't have a lot of power and a ton of guys that had were not you know stable successful mlb players up until this right. point in their career so yeah of course right. this was possible so yeah you can never predict injuries it's not wade miley's fault he got hurt it's not alzali's fault he got hurt right like these things happen but i just think even if we didn't think this starting group was going to be top of the league or, you know, producing a Cy Young candidate, I did not expect them to be delivering, you know, we're in May and we we just have had very few like, wow, like what an outing, you know, what a start, like, and so many short outings, um, so many bad outings that, yeah, that is definitely the, I think the bigger surprise to me. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it, it sucks because... The performances you got from Seiya early on. I know he's in a funk right now, but 
the overall numbers are really good. And the progress in HAP, the September adjustments appear to be carrying over. Nico's coming to his own. Wisdom has appeared to be a useful piece, league average hitter at this point. Actually, above, way above league average hitter with almost a 340 weighted on base average. So the way I think about it is you have somewhat unexpected performances from in like good performances from from Nico and maybe it depends on your expectations with Seiya early on but it feels as if it was a wasted opportunity because it feels as if if you got those performances from Nico and Seiya and Hap and Wilson has been good and if you just got close to league average numbers from the other seven guys who have subs 280 weighted on base averages it makes me think, what if? And I, I hate doing that. And then you also mix in the feelings of the starting rotation. What if you went out there and you signed one more starting pitcher? What if Wade Miley didn't get injured, right? And you can see how it could have worked out. And I, I hate doing this type of dissection and post-mortem evaluation, especially so early on. But it's hard not to get disappointed on those aspects of the team. Mm-hmm. And that's that's separate from the reality. Like the reality is having Frank and, and Hermosillo and these other guys, part of the long-term future was has and, and continues to be slim, especially when you have Brennan Davis in AAA, who's off to a, a slow start, but Nelson Velasquez, and you see the farm system moving up the rankings. And even on the pitching side of things, you see Caleb Killian, who's looking really good in Iowa. He may be up at, at, in Chicago within the next couple of months here. It just uh, it just makes you it makes you separate out those that reality with you know this the the immediate disappointment that. I, I can't I can't stop thinking about that because you got those performances early on from guys that maybe you didn't expect would perform so well early on. Yeah, I mean, all in all, like it's it's disappointing, right? Like whether you came into this season thinking there's no chance they're going to be good, and whether you're looking at some of this going like, yeah, of course Frank Schwindel isn't good. Why did you know you shouldn't have thought otherwise? Wherever you felt on that, or if you were trying to be optimistic about this season and just hope that they could piece some things together and get a break or two and things would be interesting for a while like no matter what right like we're all fans of this team and it stinks to watch them stink right like that's the the expert analysis that you know uh, I'm here to provide on this podcast like we're all Cub fans no matter what your expectations were yeah yeah or whether you believed in certain guys rationally or otherwise right it doesn't matter Like, no matter what, we all have the same ultimate feeling, which is this stinks. It's very early in this season. And, you know, quite frankly, like, to be blunt, like, this team doesn't really seem worth investing a lot in, a lot of your time or energy. Like, they score one run a night. They can't get a starter past the fifth inning, right? They're sending guys down that they were marketing at the, you know, the beginning of the year to, like, keep you interested or whatever. Like, yeah, it stinks, right? And as we've said before, like, you know, come on down to Wrigley, pay the highest prices in the league to watch them get swept by the Dodgers. It's like, yeah, great. That sounds like a great way to spend 
your Mother's Day uh, weekend. Anyway, uh, we did. There is some positive that I do want to get into. Okay, another quick break here from Points Bets. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the Points Bet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from CHGO Locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. And in case you missed it, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book that's easier than ever. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And once again, we appreciate your support for everything going on at CHGO podcasts and live shows on every team every day and post-game shows. I've mentioned this before, but I know a couple of CHGO's newer podcasts got started last week uh, in the soccer field, if that is uh, within your interests. The Red Stars and the Chicago Fire podcast both kicking off, so check those out if you are a supporter of those or just want to get into them. They're, they're a good way to get into the sport of soccer and, of course, premium written content for all members at all C chgo.com you get a free shirt and access to the members only discord the chgo lounge when you sign up again at all chgo.com so do want to uh, finish this rousing hour of chicago cubs audio for you uh with some positive stuff because like here's the thing brendan and, and it's kind of like what i was talking about you know when i mentioned like cody and i trying to find the silver linings and stuff like that and and that weird balance um, of things when you're like watching these games, like there is some good stuff going on, right? And I don't want it to seem like there's not. Some of it for sure has been disappointing. And hopefully, you know, some of these things, we, we get more, right? In terms of like good things and hopefully answers to the future, or at least potential answers. Um, but there are some good things going on, especially at the minor league level. Uh, and one of them, which I think, Brendan, like I remember when you uh, and Michael Cerami from Bleacher Nation and I talked about things before the season, I, assuredly, this was one of the most important things we talked about in terms of development. Um, but that is one Caleb Killian, uh, who finished his fifth start in AAA uh, for the Iowa Cubs, his final line on Sunday against the St. Paul Saints, five innings pitched, four hits, no runs allowed, five strikeouts, and two walks. I believe he was sitting mostly around 96, 97, uh, but a potentially hot gun. Uh, not sure if it, you know, sometimes the guns are a little hot, but according to that gun, he did touch 99. He doesn't sit there, though, but he can dial it up. Uh, and his season ERA at AAA now at 1.52 for the season. So, Brendan, that is really yes. good. And we highlighted in the offseason and coming into this season his performance in the Arizona Fall League Championship game last year where he threw those perfect innings uh, through those games. And he's, you know, putting it together, right? He's not a finished product. He is not a completely polished product here. Uh, and that's why, you know, he's he's working his way through AAA and, you know, seeing what he's, you know, trying to build up to becoming a, a major league starter. But I think, 
especially for a guy that the Cubs acquired in a trade last season and exactly what we're talking about I mean we're talking about starting pitching right and the struggles with starting pitching Brennan like pretty difficult to I think overstate how important Caleb Killian is and his continued development but you have to be I think pretty wildly encouraged with what he's doing yeah at AAA. I mean the, the numbers have always been very interesting just because he doesn't walk anyone so with the Giants in AA last year, he had a walk rate of 1.14 batters per nine innings, whereas his K rate was almost in double digits, approaching 10. And this year at the Cubs in Iowa, it's a 9.6 K per nine. And the pitches he's throwing are different with the Cubs than what he threw with the Giants. And there are some behind-the-scenes suggestions based on some data that he has four-plus pitches by Stackast. That is breaking pitch, that new curveball that he developed is better than the average. The fastball, the, the velocities there, he can reach upwards to 99 miles per hour. He does have a nice cutter, and he does have a changeup. So it appears as if he's got four legitimate pitches. And it appears as if he's able to command those pitches, given some of the, the low walk rates that we've seen. Now, granted, this year in Iowa with the Cubs, his walk per nine is 3.7 batters. So not what we're used to seeing when he was with San Fran, but that could just be a byproduct of trying to induce more whiffs. That happens, and he's still trying to get familiarized with some of these new pitch types. So maybe that ends up improving as well. Killian's been on my radar. He's the most exciting prospect because he's so close to making his debut. And then when you hear some of the people who are in the sport say, this guy has four plus pitches and you're seeing the success with those numbers, how can you not be excited? And for me, it's just a matter of when is he going to come up? Because as we've talked about this episode, not many encouraging signs and I need from the pitching side, someone to be really excited about. And Killian would absolutely fit that criteria and and, and then some. So... So, Brendan, like, obviously one of the things that you notice, um, I know, you know, some of the minor league guys get these questions. I know I've seen it in the CHGO Cubs mentions when uh, our account tweets about Caleb Killian and stuff like that. Everybody wants him now, yeah, right? Because they're looking at what the Cubs are throwing out there. They're watching Daniel Norris start a game on Saturday night. They're watching every other pitcher go four innings, and they're thinking, screw it. Like, give me the guy now. Let's see what he's got. What's what's your answer to that? And I guess further, I'm assuming you're not going to say bring him up right now. So if I'm correct in that, what do you think the organization and even Killian himself want to see from however many starts in AAA before they really feel like, okay, we're comfortable He's a, a very important piece for us, and we're comfortable moving this up and taking this next Earlier step. on in April, the velocity wasn't lasting past the third and fourth inning, so that could be a stamina issue. You had a weird spring training, couldn't get all the data that you wanted from him, and he even had a shortened stint with the Cubs last year after he got traded. So at this point, it's just making sure that he's ready to go. And he did develop new pitches, as I said, so all these factors involved – suggests that the reason he's not up now is just because they're still trying to own in on everything. And I think the biggest one of all those factors is that velo where it wasn't lasting 
deeper in the games, and now it is, which is, which is great. So maybe he is closer now because of that, but with the Cubs not performing well and with the stable environment that he does have in Iowa and still maybe trying to improve that walk rate, which is a little bit higher than in years past, maybe the, the comfort with some of the pitches is not optimal. One, what is the rush? And two, you can see where things may need to be optimized. And so I feel as if you have to just default trust in the pitching infrastructure to know when the time is is ready. And if it's going to happen next week, sign me up. It's going to happen in six weeks. That's I'm a little greedy. I'd like to see it sooner from a fan's perspective, but I understand if it's going to take a little bit longer. Yeah, I mean, I think what I would say, I get the urgency in wanting him, right? Like, I obviously, I understand that. I would preach patience on this one. Same as with Brennan Davis. You know, Brennan is working through, through some things. He's not, at, at this exact moment, putting up the numbers that, you know, you'd like to see in AAA. And I, I think the attitude with both of them is the same. Like, they're really important to this team. I think you have a really strong belief Um on performance, on tools, on scouting, like that they're going to be very good players and contributors to whatever the next great Cubs team is. Um, But you want to go through these progressions correctly. And the Cubs' current starting staff being underwhelming is not a good reason to rush Caleb Killian to the majors. Now, it's it's not necessarily something that would go poorly, right? Like that's not necessarily the concern. But what you want to make sure, and you're you're talking about it, Brendan. You know, he's working with, as you said, some people believe four plus pitches. Um, you want him to really take the time to develop and understand that repertoire, right? Get really comfortable with those pitches, the sequencing, how he's working with all those pitches, the feel for all those pitches you mentioned, you know, making sure that the velo is sticking as it's going along. And, you know, to me, like I I would, I, you want to see him get experience. And I think he will at some point this summer. Um, that just sort of seems to be where this is heading. But there's, to me, there's just no reason to rush that. It's too important and, you know, kind of like they just said with Frank, right? Like Ross's quote on Frank, like get away from the big lights and just focus on hitting, right? Like for me right now, mm-hmm. just focus on pitching, focus on continuing to round into that well-rounded starting pitcher who can be a top of the rotation arm for years to come. And it's just not something, there, there's no reason to rush, right? Caleb Killian coming up on this team right now and, you know, killing it right? And it's not really a pun, but it does sort of sound like his name. Um, that's It's not going to do anything, right? Like, it's not going to turn this team around. Like, so whatever, right? I get the urgency in wanting him here, but it's too important, right? You got to let him work through this stuff at AAA um, until you're really sure. Like you said, Brendan, like the, the organization, the pitching infrastructure, everybody yeah. kind of feels like he he doesn't belong here anymore, yeah. right? He's done everything that he can at AAA. He has put everything together. The only thing left for him now is to try and execute all of this at the major league level. And I think he's close to that. He's, he's building toward that. You're seeing these starts kind of get better, longer, the velo holding, et cetera. But I, I don't think it's like clear that that is the point that he is at, that he is beyond AAA. And until you really feel that like unequivocally, 
like let it be right and just enjoy the numbers enjoy the hype and it'll it'll happen okay previewing previewing this upcoming three game set in san diego first game starts monday 8 40 p.m central kyle hendricks pitching for the cubs hendricks the record this year is one and three at 5.64 era he'll be facing the padres mackenzie gore gore this season is 2-0 with a 1.71 era and then on Tuesday, same start time, 8.40 p.m., Cubs have not announced a starter as of Sunday evening, so guess what? It's, it's you. me. Okay, let's go. Put me in the pitch lab. I'm ready to go. Yeah, you know, I do think at some point you need to get out there. You're over here I'm not a pitcher. about everybody's I'm not a pitcher. Z-score I'm not a and release I'm a, point I'm and all a, this. Like, you I'm a middle infielder. It. I can go turn double plays. <laughs> I'm not a pitcher. I don't pretend to be. Okay, uh... But by the way, I'm I'm pretty good at turning up the place. Okay, uh, right. so uh, Cubs again have not announced a pitcher, so just keep tabs on that. Uh, the Padres are throwing out Mike Clevinger. I almost said Steve Clevinger, by the way. Uh, you know, just just habit. Clevinger this season, no record. He's 0-0 with a 5.79 ERA. And then on Wednesday. Afternoon game starts at 3.10 p.m. Central. Cubs again, no starter announced. I mean, with Steele moving up and Stroman to the I.L., things will get reshuffled around. Nick Martinez is pitching for the Padres. He's 2-2 with a 3.38 ERA. The Padres this season, off to a great start, 19-10, atop the leaderboards, or rather the standings in the West and the overall league. Cubs currently a remarkable Nine and eighteen. Um, love seeing that record, Corey. I remarkable. yeah, remarkable. Maybe maybe not so much. I I mean, listen. I guess for for this series, Kyle Hendricks is probably the focal point, just given how he's pitched recently. Um, hopefully, he has a nice outing out there in San Diego. But my thinking is, this could get really brutal. You're on the West Coast. You're facing a hot team in San Diego, who's getting it together west coast trips your circadian rhythm is all messed up it's a completely long difficult fly for was it four or five hours from chicago to the west coast that sucks then after this series you go to arizona always been difficult to play in chase field it's like a carnival type ballpark out there um this could be bad I mean, we could be recording this at the end of next weekend with uh, a double digit below 500 record. So strap it on, Corey. Well, if that doesn't excite you guys to start your week on a Monday morning. <laughs> I, I mean, this entire episode. I, I, I am contractually obligated anytime I hear this to mention what I, I think is honestly one of my favorite baseball statistics of all okay. time. Uh, because you mentioned the name Steve Clevenger, Here I, we go. I genuinely I know think going. this is my favorite statistic all right. of all time. Do you have your um, uh, Lester jersey on when you say this? It's not about wow. John Lester. I'm shocked. It's about who he was traded for, okay. Jake Arrieta. I thought, I thought you were going to say something um, else, but go ahead. No. Uh, when the, in 2016, um, Jake Arrieta put up a 90 WRC+. Plus. Steve Clevenger in 2016. A this, is, this is hitting now, by the way. WRC plus <laughs> yeah. hitting. Yeah. Oh, man. So they were part of the same trade, and Jake Arietta was the better hitter in 2016 than the hitter Didn't in the John trade. Didn't John Lester have more home runs or something like that than Steve Clevenger or something? There was some like John Lester offensive uh, stuff. Steve Clevenger hit four, it looks like, in his MLB career, and so did John there Lester. There you go. Well, yeah. there you go. Yeah. So, yeah. 
All right. I mean, that's all I got for you, Corey. Uh, this sucks. Yeah. I mean, you know, kind of the same thing. I mean, you know, again, there's a lot of the individual performances we're looking at, um, you know, hoping that Saya and Ian Happ can kind of get out of the little funks that they're in really at some point, right, like need to see something from Nick Madrigal at the plate. Like we know what type of player he is and stuff like that. But, you know, again, like leaving Sunday's game, I mean, he is a couple games away from a sub 500 OPS, Brendan, like got to see something there right um and yeah you know the pitching just like hoping some of these guys can start to deliver longer starts and you know kyle looking more like himself etc etc hopefully stroman's able to come back soon um and get back to you know where he left off but that's that's pretty much the deal and yeah i mean look unfortunately like this would be the case when you go on a west coast road trip like even if this team was playing well you'd be worried about a west coast road trip you know that that spans an entire week uh they you know anecdotally I'd have to look back at it like since you and I were born Brendan like since the early 90s I just assume the Cubs never have successful West Coast road trips I'm sure they did at some point but it just doesn't feel like it um in the regular season at least so especially when the team is is playing bad they're in the middle of a stretch um, you know, they haven't won a series since that, that first one against the Brewers. They're not scoring more than, you know, one or two runs a game. This is dangerous. This is dangerous. Going out West is, is tough. Uh, and this is not the place the Cubs want to be when they head out on a trip like this. Um, especially that it's starting, you know, they finish a game on Sunday night, then they have to play tomorrow night. Or if you're listening to this on Monday tonight, uh, in San Diego. So it's a tough task, but, uh, Hey, this is what we signed up for, I guess. Um, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, no, this is what we signed up for. Okay. Um, but that's all we have for you. Uh, you know, of course, on Monday, uh, Luke and Cody, uh, and I think Ryan will uh, be there for pre and post game for you. And then uh, I will be back on Wednesday to talk about what happened in this series. Brendan will not be with us on Wednesday, so if you are part of the Brendan Hive, you're going to have to live without Brendan for uh, an episode, but we will survive and hopefully, uh, you know, have something decent to talk about, but uh, hang in there, folks. I mean, we're all in this together. Uh, We'll be here, you know, the whole season, me and Brendan and the rest of the CHGO Cubs crew to cover whatever it looks like and hopefully brighter days are uh, on the not too distant horizon but uh, as always thank you guys for joining us on the chgo cubs podcast we will talk to you again soon and as always go cubs